Last Sunday, we came to Romans chapter 12. And if you're a guest, again, we've been preaching through the book of Romans, uh, began verse 1, chapter 1, and we find ourselves in the 12th chapter. And we begin a new section of the book of Romans, and we've been talking about God's righteousness. And uh, God's righteousness is, was declared in the first eight chapters. And then chapters 9 through 11, we talked about God's righteousness being defended. You know, and the question there primarily was, what about the Jews and the church? And uh, that was very interesting. And now we're talking about God's righteousness on display, how we live out the righteousness of God. And so last week we looked at verses 1 and 2, and we said that God uh, requires of us a sacrifice. Now, we think of sacrifice, we think of giving up something, and, that, and all he asks us to do is give up our lives, okay? <laughs> to present our bodies as a living and holy sacrifice to him. But here's the good part. Our presentation to God is in light of what God has done for us. Paul says, by the mercies of God. Because God has been so merciful to us, the only reasonable response is to be totally committed to him. God has been so merciful to us in our justification, how we can be right with God, how we can have that righteousness. God has been so merciful toward us in our sanctification, how he's changing us. You know, please be patient. God's not through with me yet. You know, God is changing us, conforming us from image to image into the glory of his son, sanctification. And then ultimately our glorification that we look forward one day that this world is not our home. We're just passing through. Our treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. We will be glorified and in the presence of Christ. And so because of those mercies, Paul says we should present our bodies as a living and holy sacrifice, a living and holy sacrifice. And so now we move into the actual living it out. Let me tell you about this, about the Christian faith. The Christian faith requires a personal commitment, as we talked about, the living sacrifice, but it is not private. It is not private. Everything God calls us to do, he calls us to live it out in community. Here at Alberta Baptist Church, our desire is for you to know God, find community, and live on mission. That's why we have placed this week in your worship guide there a copy of our church covenant, our membership covenant, okay? Kobe and I and staff, we've talked about it, that this message and next week's message are excellent opportunities for us to remind you of what it's like to be in the body of Christ. What a, what a privilege, what a joy to be a part of the body of Christ. But it also comes with great responsibility. So this, you know, we, we don't take membership lightly at Alberta Baptist Church. We want you to be a part of the body here, as we'll see this morning from the passage. But this is a, a membership covenant, which kind of lays out what, what we believe and how we can participate in body life together. So take that home, read it, memorize it. There'll be a test next Sunday morning, okay? Now, we want you to be very familiar with it. So... Uh, life in the body is what we're going to talk about this morning. Several years ago, I, I was amazed when I read about the great Herschel Walker. Now, for you, some of you younger guys, Herschel Walker was a football player at Georgia. He won the Heisman Trophy, and uh, 
he, he was probably one of the best running backs ever to play college football next to Bo Jackson and Earl Campbell and Marcus Dupree and uh, Bo Scarborough. But anyway, Herschel Walker was a great, great running back. But I was interested to read about Herschel Walker because his major was criminal justice. He was a criminal justice major. And what Herschel wanted to do after he graduated, other than to make millions of dollars playing professional football, Herschel Walker wanted to be, listen to me, an undercover agent. That's my response. Thank you for laughing. Thank you. Thank you. Can't you just see Herschel Walker, Heisman Trophy winner, one of the most famous people in the world? You know, he goes into a bar one night and everybody, hey, don't look at Herschel. He's on a case. You know, he, he, he's, he's undercover. He's working on, you know, there's a drug deal going on somewhere and Herschel's fixing to bust it up. But don't look at him. Don't look at him. He's an undercover agent. There are some things that just have to be known. And when Herschel Walker walks into a room, most of the time you're going to know it. God calls us to a personal commitment. But church, it's not private. None of it is private. When God changes our heart, we can't hide that. Just like Herschel Walker in a crowd, it should be obvious to all that we are different, that we belong to Christ. So the message this morning is to the body, to believers in Christ, but also there's a message for all of us. When we become a believer, we're not called to live as an undercover believer. We're part of the body of Christ. And in obedience to Christ, we identify with him and we identify with his church. So let's turn our hearts to the word of God. I'm going to ask you to stand one more time uh, in honor of God's word. Romans chapter 12, beginning at verse three. I'm going to read it and then pray over you. And then we will begin our study this morning. Paul says, for through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, everyone, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment or to think soberly as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. For just as we have many members in one body, this body, the physical body, and all the members do not have the same function, so we who are many are one body in Christ, the spiritual body, all individually members one of another. Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, Each of us is to exercise them accordingly. If prophecy, according to the proportion of his faith, if service in his serving, or he who teaches in his teaching, or he who exhorts in his exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Father God, thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, for the privilege the great joy and responsibility of being a part of the body of Christ. Lord, I pray this morning that you would open our eyes to, Lord, the joy of being in the body. Lord, uh, open our eyes, Father, to the love that has brought us into this body. And Lord, open our eyes to the great vision you have for this body to make your name great, Lord, in Alberta City, in our state, our nation, and around the world. God, each of us have a role to play as members of the body. Father, we pray you would bless our time. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. Life in the body requires several things, basically three things from our passage this morning. And it begins, first of all, that body life requires an honest evaluation. Honest evaluation. We see this in verse three. 
Three times Paul says to think. <laughs> I like to, you know, think. My dad used to say, use your head for something besides a hat rack. <laughs> I was guilty of that. Think, think. Paul has already told us in chapter 12, verse two, that we are to have our minds, what? Renewed. See, when we become a Christian, God gives us a new heart, but it changes every, every if you're, any man who's in Christ is a new creature, a new creation. So as Paul tells us that we've had a new heart, we've been declared righteous in the eyes of God by faith. Now he gets very practical. We begin to think differently. We begin to think differently. Three times he says, we are to think, think. We're to think about ourselves, Paul says, with sound judgment, with sound judgment. Now, or soberly. As I begin to think about this, I realize that, you know, it's impossible, I think, or difficult for us as Christians to think about ourselves without thinking about other people. Okay, because see, many times we have a, a self image based on how we think, not just of ourselves, but how we think about others. And as believers, I think it's almost, it's impossible to think about ourselves with sound judgment and soberly unless we first think about God, okay? So in this process of, of honest evaluation, we need to evaluate ourselves in three areas, how we think about God, how we think about ourselves, and how we think about others. In order for us to think about ourselves soberly, we have to take those relationships into consideration. Does that make sense? Because no man is an island. So if we're going to think about ourselves, we got to be, how do I, how do I relate to other people? How do I relate to God? How do I relate to myself? So that's kind of the sub points of our outline there. We must, first of all, begin to think. We must evaluate our thoughts about God. Now, I mentioned this last Sunday, and I believe that the starting point in our walk with God is, how, is the foundation of how we view ourselves. Now, how we view God many times determines how we view ourselves. I mentioned A.W. Tozier's quote last week, what you think about God is the most important thing about you. Let me say that one more time. What you think about God is the most important thing about you. And I could give you examples in both directions, but we're not going to, you just ponder that for a few minutes. But Paul says, we present ourselves to God, as I mentioned, in response to his mercies toward us. So if I think about God in a merciful way that God loves me, and that God has shown his grace to me, and God desires to have a relationship with me, then I'm going to respond to God differently than if I think about God as a policeman or if God as you know, a wrathful only. Now, again, we take into light what scripture says about God's holiness, God's wrath, God's justice. But you know what? The scripture amazingly says that God desires to have a relationship with us, that God has shown grace to us. Somebody ought to write a song about that. I mean, it's just amazing that God has shown grace to us. And so if I think about God in those terms, that he, he shows mercy and grace, then my thoughts of God are different than if I think of God as this cruel taskmaster in the heavens who is waiting to punish me. So how I view God determines a lot about how I view myself. So Paul says that he speaks to us. Look at in verse 3. For through the grace given to me, 
Paul begins to talk about in this verse, the grace that's given to him. Now, let me just explain briefly the grace that Paul's talking about there given to him was the office of apostleship. Paul was God's choice, not the other 11 disciples choice. God was, Paul was God's choice to replace Judas. So Paul defended his apostleship. The grace given to Paul was the office of apostleship, which gave him the authority to speak to the church. Do you understand that? Paul could speak to the church with authority because God had given him the grace, had graciously given him the office of apostleship. So through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, so Paul can speak to us, to all of us with authority because he is an apostle and his writings are inspired. So he says, because of God's mercy, And he goes on to say that God has given grace to every one of you. He said, I speak to every one of you, all believers, all the believers in Rome, all the believers at Alberta Baptist Church, we have experienced God's grace through salvation. Paul says, God has given each of you, look at that in verse three, a measure of faith. Now God gives the body different gifts, okay? And we're going to talk about that in just a moment. But this measure of faith is the same. God gives each of us a measure of faith. It is saving faith. Kobe read just a moment ago, for by grace you have been saved through what? Faith. And that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. So Paul says, God has been gracious to us. He's given each one of us a measure of faith a saving faith. And that's the foundation of our life that brings us into the body of Christ. So he gives us, as I said, different gifts, but he gives the same measure of faith to all the believers. And that's important because we have to realize that, hey, you know, we say only by the grace of God. That's why we're here, the grace of God. The doctrine of grace glorifies God in our salvation and not us. As Colby said a couple weeks ago, doctrines that glorify God bring us great joy. Bring us great joy. Now think about this for just a moment. How I think about God as I evaluate myself. Can I appreciate the grace of God in my life? Do I understand that I've been saved by the grace of God through faith? Undeserving, unworthy, chief among sinners, as Paul would say but yet God has been gracious to me. So as we think about ourselves, we have to think about God. Do you see yourself and understand that your salvation is a gift of God? You did not or could not have earned God's forgiveness. Now, if you're not a believer, God offers you salvation through Christ as a free gift. The wages of sin is death but the free gift of God is eternal life. We can't earn it. We can't deserve it, but God offers it graciously to us and receive by faith. That's the God we talk about, the God of the Bible. That's the God of the gospel who desires that all men should be saved. We're saved by grace through faith. By grace, we can call God our father. And that Jesus introduced that term, our father who art in heaven. Now, for some of us, a father figure doesn't conjure up good feelings because you may have had a a rough earthly father. 
but God is our perfect father. So as we think about ourselves, we have to begin by thinking about God. By grace, we can call God our father. As undeserving as we are, he accepts us by grace into his family. So Paul says, think soberly about yourself. And the first thought is, how do I view God? Then he says, we must evaluate our, thought, our, evaluate our thoughts about ourselves, okay? So th- this is kind of interesting because, you know, I'm not a psychologist nor the son of a psychologist, but how do we think about ourselves? <laughs> Most of the time in guilty, we try to think of ourselves as we would like for other people to think of ourselves. We like to project an image. We like to project an image. And so when I talk this morning about having an honest evaluation, I really mean that because I learned a long time ago, we are not what we think we are. We are not what other people think we are. We are what we think other people think we are. That's who we are. You got it? Or do I need to go through that again? We are what we think other people think we are. So we have this image we try to portray. So Paul says, forget about your image. Think about yourself soberly with sound judgment. Evaluate yourselves. You know, many times people think, well, you know, humility is when you don't think about yourself at all. Sounds good, but that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says we're to love others the way we what? Love ourselves. Jesus said, no man ever hated his own flesh. Maybe Paul said that. Anyway, we, you know, we love ourselves to a certain degree. And so when we think about ourselves, we need to think, though, honestly and give an honest evaluation. Sam Storms said this, Paul does not forbid thinking about ourselves. He says, rather, that we should neither think too highly nor too lowly, but soberly. Sound judgment. That is, we are to assess the gifts and opportunities that God has graciously given us and respond properly. Okay? That's what he says here. I say to everyone among you, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment, as God has allotted to to each a measure of faith. So as we think about ourselves, we don't need to think too highly. We're cautioned about that. And actually here, the, the word is a little different in the Greek. To think really means to esteem, to esteem ourselves. Now, when we esteem something, we treasure or we respect and we admire it. So again, it's taken for granted. We're going to like ourselves. <laughs> we should. But the danger is to esteem ourselves, think too much of ourselves, think too highly of ourselves. When we think too highly of ourselves, what do we call that? Pride. God's opposed to the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Pride leads to arrogance. You know, I've always found selfishness gets you in trouble and pride keeps you there. You know, I'm too, you know. But anyway, pride, if we think too much of ourselves, that's wrong. The Bible says that God resists the proud. So if we esteem ourselves too highly, then we have a problem. But you know, the gospel enables us to put this all in perspective. Because see, Paul asked the church at Corinth, and I want to ask you, what do you have that you did not receive? Good answer. Nothing. 
in our study a few weeks ago on Wednesday nights, we, we said nothing really means what? Connie, where are you? No thing. No thing. That's what nothing means. No thing. <laughs> I like that. What do, we, what do we have that we did not receive? No thing. So who are we? We're simply recipients of God's grace. You say, you're talking about spiritual things? Yes. You're talking about physical things? Physical things? I'm saying yes. If you leave here and go home to a house, you drive in a car, that's a gift. Everything we have is a gift. God is graciously given to us. And so we cannot think too highly of ourselves when we realize this whole concept of grace. Everything I have is by the grace of God. It can be taken away just like that. We're one phone call away from having our lives totally destroyed, totally altered. Everything we have is a gift to us by God's grace. Do you believe that? So what does that do? It keeps us from thinking too highly of ourselves because we're simple, simply recipients of all that God has given us. We should not esteem ourselves too highly knowing that everything we have is a gift from God. However, let me warn you, we should not think too lowly of ourselves. Now, this is where we have to, to exercise balance here because if we esteem ourselves too lowly, we forget that we're objects of God's grace, that we are loved by him, that each of us are a vital part of the body. We need each other. So we cannot think too lowly of ourselves if we do, we're, we're not taking into consideration, again, God's grace. Many people suffer from poor image or thinking too lowly of themselves for, I think, again, trying to simplify things for two reasons. We think too lowly of ourselves because we don't know the love of God. <laughs> when we understand that the creator of the universe loves me, man, how freeing, how much joy. Doctrines that exalt God bring us joy, right, Kobe? When we understand that God loves us, that brings great joy and meaning and purpose. And, and so when we don't understand that, we have a poor self-image. And I think also we have a poor self-image when we compare ourselves to other people. That creates a poor self-image, does it not? Oh, I'm not as handsome as I'm not as big. I'm not as pretty. You know, we compare and we begin to feel poorly. <laughs> we have a low self-image. But the key is to know that we are created special in the eyes of God. God has a special purpose for each one of us. And we do not compare ourselves to others. One of my favorite stories was when Martha Taft was in elementary school in Cincinnati. She was in the second grade and Martha Taft was asked to stand in her class and say something about herself. The second grader stood proudly and said, my name, this is all true. My name is Martha Bowers Taft. My great grandfather was president of the United States. My grandfather was a United States senator. My daddy is the ambassador to Ireland, and I am a brownie. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> That's bad when you laugh at your own story. But I love that. <laughs> Can't you just say, I am a brownie? Now, for you uninformed, a brownie is kind of like a Boy Scout female version. You know, I'm a brownie. I'm a brownie. I don't care what my daddy did, my grandfather. Hey, I'm proud of who I am. 
I'm not going to compare myself to them. (laughs) Martha Taft had it going because she understood she was a person of great value. She didn't compare herself to others, okay? So it's important for us to realize what Martha realized as a second grader. Don't be intimidated by the success of others. And in the body of Christ, don't be intimidated by the gifting of others. We belong to each other. So we have to evaluate ourselves in light of of God, in light of ourselves, and then evaluate ourselves, uh, we evaluate our thoughts of others. We belong to each other. We are members of one body. Philippians 2, 3, and 4, Paul said this, do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourself. Does it say to regard too lowly of yourself? No. Paul simply says, have a proper judgment of who you are, but raise the bar for other people. Regard others as more important than yourself. That's what he's talking about. So then he says, do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. What a joy to serve other people, to look out for them. I tell you, young people, they'll come to me sometimes and say, Brother Keith, how do I know when I'm ready to get married? How do I know when I'm ready to fall in love? Here's the verse right there. Philippians 2, 3, and 4. When you're willing to consider the other person as more important than yourself, when you're willing to consider their interests as more important than yours, that's when you're ready to love. That's when you're really ready to give yourself to another person for life. That doesn't cost you anything extra unless you want to put something in. All right. So only when we see ourselves, only when we see ourselves as recipients of God's grace, Can we humble ourselves willingly and value those around us the way we should? We don't have to be competing with others or spend our time putting other people down so we can look good. We're objects of God's grace and we extend that grace to others because God's given it to us. This is a source of great joy. This is what it's like to live in the body. Honest evaluation. Body life requires honest evaluation. Secondly, body life requires loving cooperation. Look at verse four. For just as we have many members, and he's talking about the physical body first. For just as we have many members in one body and all the members do not have the same function, so we as Christians who are many are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. What's Paul talking about? He's talking about learning how to live when in loving cooperation, there's both unity and diversity. There's unity. We who, are, we who are many are one body. That's unity. Diversity, yet the members do not have the same function or the same office or the same gifting. So again, the function that Paul talks about here in verse five, he mentions it and expounds on it in verse six, which we'll talk about spiritual gifts in just a moment. But he's saying that we're one body but we have different spiritual functions, different spiritual gifts, just like our body here. You know, we have ears, we have eyes, we have legs, all do perform a different function. He said he relates that to the body. And we're going to go to 1 Corinthians 12. If you want to turn there, fine. If not, the verses will be on the screen. But 12, 4 through 7, Paul says, Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of ministries and the same Lord. There are varieties of effects, but the same God who works all things and all persons, but to each one is given 
the manifestation of the spirit for the common good, for the common good. Now, we're not going to do an exhaustive study this morning of spiritual gifts, but let me just say a couple things. First of all, spiritual gifts are just that. They are gifts. Gift is something you would give to someone else or you receive. God gives the gifts. Notice it's interesting in this passage, if you can stay up there. Yeah. Notice that the gift is given by the same uh, spirit, the same Lord, the same God. He produces them all. What do we have? The spirit. We have the spirit, the Lord, Jesus, and God, the father. Here we have the entire Godhead at work in giving us the gifts of the spirit. The father, son, and Holy Spirit are involved. And so he gives them to us as he desires. But what's the purpose of the spiritual gifts? For the common good. For the common good. You know, we all have different giftings, but there's one purpose. So that we can be better. Let let me just give you kind of a classic uh, definition of a spiritual gift. A spiritual gift is a unique capacity given by God to each believer. And that's important. Every believer has a spiritual gift. If you're a Christian here today, you have a spiritual gift. Paul mentions that a couple of times. Verse three, to each one of you, every one of us have a spiritual gift, a unique capacity given by God to each believer for service in connection with the church in order that the church may be built up in quantity and quality for the good, for the common good is what the scripture says, okay? So we recognize that we're in a body but we have different functions. We have hands, we have eyes, have ears, feet. We have different functions, but we're all part of the same body. First Corinthians 12, verse 14. For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot says, now your foot, you know, I I kept, I was listening to my knee the other day. (laughs) And as I was listening to my knee, it said, loan me $5. (laughs) And my knee said, loan me $5. So I went to the doctor. I said, what's wrong with my knee? So your knee's broke. Anyway, okay. All right. <laughs> that doesn't cost you anything extra either. Okay. All right. For the body is not one member, but, mem- but many. If the foot says, if the foot says, because I'm, ha- I'm, a hand, I'm not a hand, I'm not a part of the body. It is not for this reason, any less a part of the body. If the ear says, because I'm not an eye, I'm not a part of the body. It is not for this reason any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, <laughs> that's kind of funny. Just think about it. Isn't it? If the whole body, gosh, sound like one of those movies or something. If the whole body were an eye, <laughs> where, where, I'm sorry, where would the hearing be? Can't you just see a big, all right. But if the whole were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But now God, look at this. God has placed the members, each one of them in the body, just as he desired. This is, this is so encouraging to me. One of the greatest evidence of the existence of God is right here in this room. Who else could bring people from all walks of life together in one building for an hour? <laughs> I mean, who else could bring people from all walks of life together to serve Alberta city, to make his name great. Only God could do something like that. So God is the one who brings us together. We do not exist for ourselves. We're individually members of one another. 
We're connected to each other. We're not to be lone rangers with our gifts. We're to work together in loving cooperation. We are individually members of one another. We belong to one another. That's why church membership is important. This is who we are. This is what's expected of us. I mean, there a lot of time and prayer and effort went into preparing this so that we can say pretty concisely, we don't have to cover up a whole wall with our church covenant. You can pick it up and say, this is, this is who I am as a member of Alberta Baptist Church. This is what we believe. This is, this is what's required of me as a member. We need each other. And because of that, we work together in loving cooperation. And the body life, thirdly, requires faithful participation. Okay? We see that in verses 6 through 8. Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us, each of us, Say that with me. Each of us, each of us is to participate. To each of us is to exercise them accordingly. If prophecy, according to the proportion of his faith, if service, and he goes on and he, he lists several spiritual gifts here. And what's he saying? Simply this, you have a gift. And if this is your gift, prophecy, teaching, giving, whatever, the, the, he, the ones he mentions there, if that's your gift, do it. Just do it. Nike said it. We can say it. Just do it. Church is not a spectator sport. God does not call us to sit, soak, and sour. Or just to suit up and show up. You know, that, that's, a lot of people think that's what. No. We're a part of the body of Christ. And we are to be participants, faithfully participating in the work of the ministry. Call to ministry exercising our gifts together. Paul mentions here the gifts of prophecy, service, teaching, exhortation, giving. There are basically about 22 different gifts and you can find those, 1 Corinthians 12, Ephesians 4, 1 Peter 4. And so the gifts are there and they're not all inclusive. I, don't, I think there are a lot of other gifts that, that we find in the church. But spiritual gifts have been categorized in different ways. Gifts to say, which would be teaching and evangelism. Gifts to do, which would be mercy and exhortation. Gifts to know, wisdom and faith. And so, you know, maybe this morning you haven't thought a lot about spiritual gifts. But you would say, hey, I like that. Where do I sign up? Can I pick which one I want? <laughs> no. God 1 Corinthians 12, 18, but now God has placed the members, each one of them in the body, just as he desired. Again, isn't that a miracle? That God has brought us all together and he's placed us here just as he desired. The spirit of God determines who receives which gifts. He distributes them and he sees to it that in any body of believers, there is a balance of gifts so that the body of believers has the various gifts that are needed at any stage of ministry. Isn't that amazing? God brought us together. You know, we talk about it many times, the tornado that brought Open Door and Alberta together. You know, good things come out of bad. God brought us together. And God's brought us together here, each of us gifted in different ways, but for one purpose, to bring honor and glory to him. So the question is, do you see how important you are? You're a part of this body. We need you. We're not complete without your participation. I have this old saying that I like to, to talk about. It's go where you're sent. You know, if, if God sends you to the church, go where you're sent. 
Stay where you're put. Give all you got. Don't quit till you're through, okay? Don't quit till you're through. But go where you're sent. God puts the body together. So what do we do in closing? Know your gift. How can you know your gift? Let me tell you three things. Pray, pray. Ask God to show you your spiritual gift. The scripture says if we ask anything according to his will, we know he hears us. And if he hears us, we know what we have. We know that we have what we ask for. So why don't you jot this down? God, I want to know and use my gift for your glory. Whoa. That'll get God's attention. I want to know and use my gift for your glory. Lead me to discover and develop my gift. I will stake my reputation that God will begin to answer that prayer immediately. I want to discover, know and discover my gift for your glory. Study the gifts. You can find a lot of information about spiritual gifts and you can take questionnaires and surveys. I, you know, I'm not a big fan of surveys and questionnaires because I always answer them the way I want to answer, the way I think I should answer them. You know, if you're married, let your spouse do it. You know, this is who you really are. Yeah, yeah, they know me better. But, you know, they're okay. Questionnaires and surveys are fine, but study the gifts. Observe. Here's a way we can discover our spiritual gifts. Watch the church. Look, look around the church. What do you see people doing that appeals to you? This afternoon at J.C. Park, we will see the body in action. We're going to have people from all over this community coming up here. They're coming for food. They're coming for games. But we as the body are going to minister to them. Some people are going to be greeting them and shaking and hugging and all this stuff. Some people are going to be serving. Some people are going to be praying with them. Some people are going to be just hanging out and talking, you know, finding out how can I, what can we do for you? How can we minister to you? They have the gift of service. And so they're exercising. We're going to see the body in action this afternoon from five to seven as we all minister to this community in the way God has equipped us to minister. And what happens if you're not there? Something's going to be missing, isn't it? The body will not be complete. Cancel those plans. Be there with us this afternoon. Study the gifts. Observe them. Look around. Serve. Serve. Start serving the Lord. Our gifts are given within the context of service. So how do we, uh, we should know our gift. We should use our gift. Secondly, once you've determined what your gift is, get involved. When you use your gift, everyone's blessed. You know what happens? When you use your gift, you are encouraged. And let me just say this. When we're exercising or when we're ministering within our gift area, we get energized. You know, there are times, there's some things that I do that just drain me <laughs> because that's not what I'm gifted to do. I have to do it, but I, it just, I'm, a, I'm just wore out. It's like the guy went to sleep on the interstate. He woke up tired. You know, I just, I'm tired. If I exercise, do things that are not in my gift area. But if I'm doing things in my gift area, I'm energized. So begin to serve, know your gift, use your gift, and then thank God for your gift. Don't waste time. Don't waste your time being jealous of what other people think and do or what other people can do. Don't waste your time being jealous. They are simply doing what God gifted them to do. Thank God for your gift and put it to use for his glory and for the good of the church. If service in your serving, if teaching in your teaching, in your exhortation, if he who exhorts in your exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy 
with cheerfulness. Just do it. Let me pray for us.